Greetings, new listeners. ParentWise is meant to be listened to in order, so please start with Season 1, Episode 1, and work your way from there. Mom, Mom, Mama, what's ParentWise? So when do you want to go to sleep? None time. None time? Get out of my room! Parentwise is wildly honest. We talk to real parents about real issues. Parents often have no place to go to figure out what to do and how to fix it. A community of parents who find solutions that work in the real world. The first step to fixing anything is understanding the why of it. Hi, I'm Carrie Jordan. And I'm Dr. B. And And this is Parent Wise. Hello, party people. Thank you for joining us today on this special bonus episode of Parent Wise. Today, we will be deep diving into some concepts we call long game parenting. This is something that's really near and dear to my heart, and I'm excited to share it with you. And I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback. This episode is best listened to between episodes one and two or between episodes two and three. So if you have not listened to episode one and two yet, I recommend that you do that before listening to this. Thanks so much and enjoy. Amber, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Okay, I'm Amber Ito and I'm a marriage family therapist. I've been specializing with children with special needs for about 25 years now. (laughs) That long? Wow. Wow, I don't even, (laughs) I'm not going to, 25 years now? (laughs) All casual like. (laughs) You're old as fuck. (laughs) No offense, mom, because you're older than fuck. (laughs) So yeah, and I'm a clinical administrative director of a company. We work with children in the school districts and in the homes. We have multiple programs and psychological programs and behavior programs as well. What else are you, even more importantly? I am also (laughs) a mother of a Uh 22-year-old who a wonderful person, but when he was younger was very challenging and very <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was definitely yeah. a different kind of child. I sort of had to learn how to be his mother. Even with all my experience working with children and families, I had to learn how to be Wes's mother. You are also one of my oldest and dearest friends. To me, that's the most important part. <laughs> we met in junior high. We became very close in high school. Then we started finishing each other's sentences, which was weird. (laughs) And then I went to college a year early, joined a sorority. You ended up going to the same college, ended up joining the same sorority. So we have been, our lives have been intertwined for a very long, for like 25 years now. Oh, wait, no, a lot longer Longer. than 25 (laughs) years. And one of the things that got me kind of made me the parent that I am today and was part of what fed my passion for parenting, even though I wasn't a parent, was the fact that you were a parent and you became a parent when you were pretty young. I was 22 when I got pregnant, which is, Wes is 22, and I was 23 when I had him. Yeah. I was really young. Yeah, that's really young. (laughs) That's really really young. young. And at the time I thought, oh, I'm totally going to do this. This is going to be no problem. I've got this covered. I remember. You were like... (laughs) You were like nature mama, like, don't worry, I got it. (laughs) I got it. You were like kind of made for it, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then I got Wes. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Well, I think we were all surprised when Wes turned out to be Wes. And we didn't know Wes was actually Wes. And by this, I mean the person who Wes became as a child till he was about two. Two. Yeah. Two-ish. And that was when you split from your husband, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And there was so much going on at that time. And that's when we realized that he did not respond the same way another kid would respond to requests, to discipline. Yeah, consequences. Consequences. None of that. He Um, would throw it right back in your face. Yeah. You would go, okay, Wes, you know, you're making choices, but if you're going to do that, we're not going to be able to do this. He'd go, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, huh. Shove it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Two, he was saying that. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. It's true. I was there. (laughs) I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes, heard it with my own tears. Yeah. When he was two, I'll never forget, like, he took off and went running down the street, and my dad ran after him, and Wes found it, like, 
kind of caught him and he went like rolling on the grass and he just goes, leave me alone. I have my own life. <laughs> and he said that at two. <laughs> <laughs> we <were> like, oh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Well, you were like, I had my own life too. Not anymore. Well, and I, being the mature woman that I was at the time, I did not like your son. <laughs> <laughs> because of a couple reasons. One was that he was really occupying just way too much of your time. And he had become your main priority when before us spending time together had been a main priority. So I was a little bit bitter about that. But then also, I just thought you deserved an easier kid. And the fact that he didn't listen, even though, you know, I knew he was just a kid, yeah. it still bothered me. It really bothered me. Yeah. And I just wanted you to have an easier time. Yeah. And I knew that he wasn't going to be that kid. No. And so I just was really resentful of mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Like I said, very mature. Uh, <laughs> and he hated me. We had an open hatred for each other for a long yeah. time. Well, I guess not too, not long. too long. Well, I mean, long time meaning till he was, what, four? Yeah. Three or four? Yeah. I think it was, yeah, pretty early on. Yeah, I guess so. It just, it felt like a long time for me to hate a child, a little bitty child. And then... And then <laughs> look up at you with stars in his eyes. <laughs> then you were his anti-carry. I earned his love. I earned his love. I earned his respect. And I had it after that. And he and I fell madly in love with each other. And we were close after that. And just, I still adore him. He's one of my favorite people. So it all ended up coming out pretty well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but man, was it <clears throat> hard. a hard process. And and I was a part of it. It obviously wasn't as hard for me, except for that I was supporting you mm -hmm. through that. Mm -hmm. But it is where long game parenting got started, was yeah. conversations that you and I were having, which at the time we didn't talk about long game parenting, but we would always say, remember, it's the long game. Mm -hmm. We're doing this for the long game. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to see the future so that we didn't get we, I mean, we, you, didn't get <laughs> mired down in the present mm -hmm. because it was so hard. Yeah, everything felt so intense because he was so intense. He was such an emotive, intense child. And so everything felt so, <laughs> just, just felt really intense, yeah. you know? So that was basically why I wanted to ask you to come on and do this episode with us because really without you, I don't really know if I even would have developed the ideas that I've developed and that you and I have developed together over the years. And we've bounced this stuff off each other for, what, 22 mm -hmm. years now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 22 years now. And even before that, because you also were another kid that was interested in parenting. We used to talk mm -hmm. about parenting all the time. We talk about our parents, mm -hmm. talk about like what we would do with our kids, yeah. like way before we ever had kids. Yeah. And you were one of the only people that really shared that interest with me uh -huh. before we really had any reason yeah. to, for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that I was a therapist much before, yeah. way before I got my license. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> So can you tell me more about long game parenting? Yeah, I think the best place to start is just kind of the assumptions that long game parenting has. Like, what are the things that we believed in that, mm -hmm. yeah, that brought us to have this idea? And I think to start with the most basic one, the noun adult is defined as a person who has attained the age of majority and is therefore assumed to be independent, self-sufficient, and responsible. The typical age of attaining legal adulthood is 18 years old. So if we assume that legal adulthood, whether or not you're actually mentally your an adult, <laughs> right, but if we assume that, that we make the assumption that at 18, you are legally an adult. With that said, the average person lives about 80 years and so if we think about it in a logical way, we are looking at a lifetime for our children where they spend 75% of their time as an adult. We really only have a certain amount of time with them. And what we should be doing is preparing them for that 75%. Another assumption is that every person, and I would love to argue this with somebody, because if this isn't true, I want to know. But every person, regardless of race, sex, socioeconomic status, sexual preference, all, everybody, at some point is going to experience loss, mm -hmm. sadness and depression, stress, 
anxiety, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think we all know that's incredibly prevalent in adulthood. <laughs> Disappointment, failure, self-doubt, embarrassment, fear, the feeling that there's no justice, injustices of the world, and that sometimes things aren't fair. They mm-hmm. actually literally aren't. If you live to adulthood and you live through adulthood, you're going to experience all of those things. It doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. That's oh. also, I oh, think, absolutely. an important yeah. assumption. And then the last assumption is that what happens in our childhood affects who we become as adults. So if we're looking at it that way, we have this child or these children that we are supposed to be coaching. What? Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? What are we Mm -hmm. doing and why? And so we can get so mired down in the craziness of it all. And I think that was one of the things that would happen in your situation. Mm -hmm. Your lifeline was to think about the long game, the big picture. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, that was terrifying to you. I know Mm -hmm. we used to talk about, like, what if he's a psychotic (laughs) murderer? We threw that one around a few times. But at the same time, knowing that that probably wasn't what was going to happen, and what could you do as a parent, what were you going to do to get him through this period of time? But looking at him as a an adult in the making mm-hmm. rather than this child that you're trying to get to do A, B, and C mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So let's start by talking about the fundamental beliefs of long game parenting. I'll read this one just so I can get all of it in and then we can discuss it. When you parent your children, you are, in essence, training them for adulthood, the same way a coach trains an athlete for the Olympics. Let this time be an opportunity for your kids to learn about the real world, like loss, sadness, all of those things, in a safe and loving environment. And you mentioned something about scaffolding. Yeah, I mean, I just think, (laughs) I mean, you can call it different things. I think in my world, we call it scaffolding. But it's really just making sure that they're still going through that arc of emotion, but feeling like they're safe and that you've got them and that they have that you there as their safety net. And if they need somebody to sort of stop them, right? Right. Right. Depending on where they're at developmentally. Right. If they start spinning. If they start spinning, like, and we all get spun. It's a human emotion. I was just talking about that today because I'm like, I have to, sometimes I call my colleagues and I'm like, okay, I'm officially spun. Like, somebody talk to me now. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine I'm at the end of a cliff looking down and it's your job to get me to back away (laughs) from said cliff. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a perspective on this anymore. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Help. (laughs) Yep. So I think it's buffering. It's buffering, right? And so depending on how old they are, like you're obviously not going to let a two-year-old get so worked up that they're throwing up or that they're, you know, you're going to hold them and comfort them and let them. It just really depends on how old they are. Yeah. But not trying to fix it. Yeah. And not trying to stop the emotion. I hear so many, so many people. You're okay. Okay. You don't need to cry. Like stop crying. You're not that hurt. There's no reason to cry. And God knows I've almost used the famous one. If you don't stop crying, I'll give you a reason to cry. (laughs) And you didn't say that very often, but you did say that a couple times. I did. We've all fallen to that. And I remember. Do you remember the time I figured out that was sort of from my father's (laughs) (laughs) repertoire? It wasn't in the manual. It was not in the manual. He said it to me. And it took maybe a couple of times my saying it and thinking to myself, this doesn't feel right. What is this? Yeah, you're basically (laughs) threatening violence. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But I just remember, I remember not understanding the concept at all. Yeah. You know, I'll give you a reason to cry. And I'm like, I'm already crying. Why do I need a reason to cry? Let's just say I wasn't the brightest bulb on the tree. But uh, hopefully other children get it. Or too smart for your own game. Yeah, Yeah, that's the nice way of putting it. You know, I can hear other kids cry. No problem. Yeah. It's so funny because, but it's really hard for me to hear Wes cry. Yeah. Hear him being upset. Yeah. I have the feelings either of just it pulls my heartstrings or it just. You want to throw them out the window. Yes. (laughs) 
it goes, it's one of those extremes. I mean, I really think when it's your own child, it pulls on your own ego, you know, because you want your children to behave. You want your children to be good at school. You want your children to be happy. Well, this is the thing. (laughs) Nobody tells you that when you have a child, they may cut the umbilical cord, but there is an invisible umbilical cord Mm. that goes from parent to child. Oh, I can tell you that definitively. It's a figurative because I did not give birth to my children, but it still is there. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, when you have children. When you attach and bond, you know. When you become a parent. Whatever form. Yeah. When you become a parent. You can lose perspective so easily. Sure. You know. If you ever had it to begin with. If you ever had it to begin with. You just really, yeah. (laughs) You do. It's true. Let's talk about the second belief, and then there's some things that we could talk about that kind of put the two together. Okay. Uh, The second belief of long-game parenting is, and it's not really a belief, it just kind of is, when it comes to responding to unacceptable behavior and doing discipline, parenting with the goal of teaching life skills that transfer to adulthood is almost always, I could say always, but I'm going to say almost always, just to be fair, more time-consuming, less convenient, harder than parenting with just the goal to stop the behavior, whatever the misbehavior is, to correct the misbehavior in the short term. Or fix it. Or fix it. Right. Or just exactly. fix it. Like there's somebody's really upset and because they're falling apart because their puzzle isn't going together or something's not working right. Parents can come in and swoop in and fix things and make it all better. Yeah. <laughs> or give them gummy bears or distract them or yeah. redirect them right. to something else. Which doesn't help them learn doesn't what they need to be learning. Learn. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like the right thing to do because you're the parent the, the child is upset <laughs> yeah and your job is to make the child not yeah. upset but that's actually not your yeah. job your job is to allow them to practice what it feels like to be frustrated yeah. and angry and disappointed yeah. and have a lack of self-confidence mm-hmm. because they can't do what they're trying to do mm-hmm. and then help them make their way through that rather than trying to fix it for them. Because like we said earlier, it's going to happen to them and as an adult. If they don't have any practice living, experiencing and living through those feelings and learning how to kind of manage them, mm-hmm. then how do you expect them to be good at it? Yeah. You can't. Right. Yeah. In an article you and I read, the question was, what do you do with children who are upset? And the two options were, do you coddle a kid or do you let them experience the trauma? And I thought it was a very interesting way to put it because there's a whole lot that happens in between coddling and experiencing trauma. Uh And I think a lot of people have a tendency to think that if a child is crying or if they're upset or if they're angry, that that's somehow traumatic mm-hmm. and fail to realize that that's... That's, that's a, just a human experience. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's just a human experience. And, and truth be told, I mean, the author talked about being teased and bullied, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be traumatic. Mm-hmm. But that can happen in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've been guilty of that. <laughs> I have been bullied in the workplace, probably brought it upon myself. But I do remember someone coming up to me and saying a number of years ago, one of my jobs when I was a district manager and saying, you're swimming with sharks right now Mm -hmm. and you need to watch yourself. And I literally just laughed at her. I was like, "Okay, whatever. I was like, look, I don't care if Mm -hmm. you guys are sharks or manatees or (laughs) porpoises, porpoises, goldfish. (laughs) I really don't give a shit. Like, I don't even know if I'm in the same water as you. I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And if you have a problem with something specifically, you can tell me about it. Mm-hmm. But this is not like this has yeah. no effect yeah. on me. And I knew I was disliked because of my enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't care. And a lot of that is because of the practice that I had mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Practice that I had not being liked. And my mother talking about, well, what does it that mean right. when yeah. someone doesn't like and you? And what do you do? Yeah. Can you, you, there's so many other things you can do. Go find another friend. Go, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Or, or even the English teacher thing, you know, who didn't like you. And we sat down and we right. figured it out. If it's a priority, how do you turn it around? How do you fix mm-hmm. it? Right. But. And if it's not a, a priority, how do you manage that? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Exactly. And looking at those choices. Right. (laughs) We digress. uh, Always. (laughs) 
But what I was saying before is, and we had talked about this before, with it being more time consuming, with it being more difficult, and with us trying to allow children to live that full spectrum of Mm -hmm. emotion and go through an experience, Mm -hmm. it's time consuming. It is. I think that, like, I'm watching you. It's so much fun for me being an older person now watching you be a parent of I'm younger so glad. kids. <laughs> I'm so glad you're amused. <laughs> because, you know, Wes is like 23. My child is 23. And I think I was just not as mature. Just, I was just. Because <laughs> I'm twice your age. <laughs> I was physically younger. Yeah. And, but now I'm like watching you. And as an outsider, I love some of the choices that you guys have made as a family because you guys have chosen to live your life that's not so over-programmed. And I think there is a push or a drive in our society for parents to over-program their children. They got to take their music classes. They have to go to art class. Oh, and then we're going to go to karate class. And then we're going to play date. And Boy and so, Scouts and, and Girl Boy Scouts. Scouts and Girl Scouts and all these other things. Just and all these things make me want to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, with my parents, really. Sometimes with my parents I talk about, like, you have to think about, you as an adult have a 40-hour work week. Your children, when they're in school, they have a 30 31 hour a week work week and then if you're gonna program another 10 hours on top of that they have a 40 hour work week too now where in there are they do they get to be kids do they get to process their emotions mm-hmm. or explore you know, the or world or the world or be bored or be bored and explore their inner world exactly and figure out who they are right because like, so much is written about how human beings figure out and discover themselves when they're in their own head. And you can't be in your own head if somebody else is directing directing you you and telling you what to do. But back to what I was saying about you guys as a family, I love that you guys have chosen to not over-program yourself so that you do have the time to go through a 30-minute, you know... (laughs) Freak freak out about homework. (laughs) Freak out, right. Freak out about homework, but then she gets to go through the whole emotion and come out on the other end and go, okay, now I'm ready. Yeah. You know, and that wouldn't happen if you were like, okay, come on, hurry up. You got to go do your homework because we got to go to to the class and you got to get this done and then we're going to do dinner and then, you know, bath and bed, let's go. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I get anxiety just when you say that. Um, And part of it is that I cherish my downtime. You know that. I mean, well, let's not talk about college. Besides the fact that I don't have the energy for all of it, I like spending time with them. We just Mm -hmm. like to hang out and Mm -hmm. I feel like we barely see them as it is. I get them maybe an hour in the morning awake if I don't let them sleep in, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. And then after I'm done with work, we're looking at maybe one hour for the baby, an hour and a half, and Mm -hmm. two hours for Rue. Mm -hmm. And then the weekends, we have a birthday party and blah, blah. So it already feels like we don't have any time. I can't imagine having less than that. Yeah. So, and we do stupid things like... um, our newest thing, it's not new, but it's our newest family thing, is the dance party. Mm. <laughs> nice. So, oh, do I have some amazing videos on that? <laughs> yeah. So, the dance party has become very popular. The monkey is amazing now that she's learning to dance, but the Rue will always be the star of the show. Right. And um, put our music on. So we're listening to punk yeah. or 80s or whatever, yeah. rap sometimes. And they just don't care. You know, they're into it. Like, there is no Barney in our house. Yeah. And we just don't do it. And um, we're just too old. And it's just, that's what happens sometimes when you're a parent and you're older. You're just so set in your ways that you just don't even consider some of the other options. Like, mom said, I got this children. CD and she really likes it. I'm like, I bet she does. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not listening to children's music. I won't do it. You can't make me. (laughs) If that makes me a bad mom, then I'm a bad mom. Rue is going to go to therapy because she can't listen to Rafi. (laughs) I think think a lot of this may have to do also with the fact that you are older and you've processed a lot of things. A lot of our listeners are younger and they set themselves up to do all kinds of things. You know, they look around and they see a lot of this programming and they think that's what parenting is. 
I'm going to parent my child and I'm going to take them to piano lessons mm -hmm. and dance lessons. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we'll, it starts very early. Mommy oh. and me classes. It's <laughs> a lot of what people discuss when they're together. What right. do you have your child in? Right. In all honesty, I see people who come in and they tell me things like, well, if I don't do this, then my child won't be able to get into thus and such a school. Oh, yeah. And the goal for them is to make sure their child gets into the best college. Mm -hmm. When it's really bad, mm -hmm. they have a plan for the child after college as well. They'll be a doctor, they'll be a dentist, they'll whatever it is. And nowhere in there is this child's ability to experience the world and be who they are and become who they are. We associate success with money. Yes. A successful person is mm -hmm. a person that has money. And if you're going to have money, the best way to do that is to have a really good education and get this degree and that degree and then be able to go on to be an attorney or one of those things. And then the parent feels like they are preparing their child for a good adulthood. That right. feels, and that's a much more controllable thing to do than to try and work with their kid emotionally. Because a successful person is a person who's happy. Right. Mm -hmm. So and that's part of the long or parenting can, can process. Yeah, can process, and that's like why you're, you're not happy. Gonna stay. It's not like you're just going to be happy all the time, but you will be content, right? Well, happiness yeah. is is not like, a constant, it's, yeah, but it's, it's an, an overall. It's an overall. Yeah, yeah. I'm like happy. Happiness factor. My yeah. life is really difficult right now, mm -hmm. but I can say easily that I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have it any other way, mm -hmm. and that's a good thing to be able to say. And I think both of you grew up in families where family time was really important. And it happens. You make a choice. Yeah. You make a choice. Yeah. And the choice is, I don't think I overprogrammed you guys. No, not at all. And my thing was that if there was going to be quality time, it was going to be quality family time. Mm -hmm. We were going to do things together. Mm -hmm. We were going to just hang out together. Mm -hmm. And it shows in terms of the values that you have. I've certainly been to your family mm -hmm. parties, Amber. <laughs> and you have an amazing family and yeah. arms open wide. Yeah. And it's clear that that is a focus mm -hmm. in your family. And it definitely has affected Wes. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. The family environment, the fact that his grandparents are open, loving, that they've shown an amazing relationship, yeah. all sorts of stuff there had a huge effect on him. He grew up with a community. He okay. did. And let me say this. There will be people listening who don't have that. They may oh, but see, my family is not all blood related. There you go. We created a yeah. community. Okay. And so Can you talk about yeah. that. So my family, it's my core is, you know, Wes and my husband, Ivan. But then there's my dad and my stepmom and my mom, my biological mom, my mother. We're all sort of one big family together. And then I have my stepsister. But we've also adopted like through these years. I have people who I call aunt and uncle who, who aren't are, who aren't blood related to me, but I was there when their children were born. I helped them, you know, I babysat yeah. their kids. They've known me since I was very, very young, since I was seven years old. And we've spent every single holiday together, every single birthday together. Yeah. We're a big family. And I just really, really value it so much. It's so funny you were talking about Wes, because my mom, her friends are so jealous of her because they'll go, when Wes was like 16, and 17 they'll say oh Wes hangs out with you mm -hmm. like Wes just goes out with you and none of their grandchildren right hang out and Wes would just like go on dates with her all the time and <laughs> hang out like they yeah, would drive her around drive her around yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still does but I think that this comes back to the way you get your kids to want to hang out with you and there's always going to be a period where they don't want to and if mm -hmm. it, there's not it's might be a little it's actually maybe a little weird mm -hmm. when they if they don't have a period where they prefer their family of mm -hmm. choice their mm -hmm. friends basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. above their family uh, actual family but that when you build a basis of respect with your child, when you are respectful with them, when you show them that they can trust you by being there for them, but also by allowing them to struggle through things, then that creates a relationship that then blossoms into something else. Yeah. That isn't, oh, I'm going to hang out with my mom, but yeah. it's hanging out with someone that I love and that I respect, that loves and respects me, mm -hmm. and that I can trust, mm -hmm. that I can tell things mm -hmm. that's not going to try and jump in and just judge, but will actually allow me to go through it 
it, maybe throw in some thoughts mm-hmm. for the day. Mm-hmm. Here's some thoughts for the day. <laughs> do you really have to do that? You know, <laughs> what are you choosing to do versus what is actually something you need to right. do, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so it's that early experience of the respect, even when things are crappy, even when they're mad at you and they hate you, I hate you, mm-hmm. even when they're, you know, all of those things, mm-hmm. there's still something there that you can create and continue. One of my favorite moments, my sister ever. <laughs> her daughter, she said to her at one point, she was like, you're the worst mother in the world. <laughs> to which my sister responds by like putting her face in her hand and like kind of like sobbing. And she's like, <laughs> Thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. I'm doing my job. And oh my God, my niece nearly flipped her lid. But it was like the perfect response, basically saying to her daughter, exactly. This is actually what I'm going for. I am going to be that mother that you can say that to and that it doesn't affect me because I know you love me and I love you. And so... All it means is that I'm doing the right thing, mm-hmm. is that I'm parenting you in a way that I'm not your I'm friend. Setting I'm setting boundaries. Yeah. And you're pissed off about mm-hmm. it. We're in the right direction. <laughs> so she was like she was accepting an Oscar. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mom and everybody who made this possible. <laughs> To move forward with one of the other things that I think is a fundamental of long game parenting, and that is the idea that being a good parent requires willingness to learn about yourself and the courage to make difficult changes. Mm -hmm. You are your child's model of what an adult is, and Mm -hmm. your truth will almost always become their truth, even if you don't want it to. For example... You may want your daughter to have a healthy body image, but if you're always on a diet and you speak negatively about your physical form in front of her, you're ultimately going to teach her that her body is only worthy and therefore she's only worthy when she is skinny. So as the parent, you'll have to find a way in that particular situation to find your own healthy body image so that you can model that truth for her. And that's not easy. And I can speak from example, having two girls that I really don't want that for. I really Mm -hmm. don't want them to have that experience of if my body isn't okay, or if my body isn't the way everybody else's body is supposed to look or whatever, that I'm not okay. And luckily, because I'm older, I already went through a lot of that stuff myself right? and came out the other side of that. And so now... Well, let's speak to the fact that as your mother... I grew up with all of that, and I passed that on to you. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you said to me, I really don't want to hear about your diets. I really don't want to hear about your weight. You're my mother. I love you the way you are. And it's not going to be an issue for me anymore, so I'd prefer you not talk to me about it. I found myself listening to myself mm-hmm. and thinking, holy moly, what am I doing? And for me, it was a relief yeah. to mm-hmm. stop Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was doing it. And that speaks to what you're talking about, which is the willingness to learn about yourself. and Having tru- that awareness. And yeah. truly, your children are your best teachers ever, mm-hmm. ever. When yeah. you find yourself angered by something your child has done, mm-hmm. you really have to step back and say... What's this all about? Why am I so angry? I mean, I went to workshops for this. I went, I read Mm. books. This was a big thing for me because I realized that it was what I was thinking about the majority of the time of my life. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about Mm -hmm. it. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. My daughter has said things to me. The Rue has said, like, you've got a big butt. Mm-hmm. Your butt's fat or whatever. And I was like, hey, don't you talk about my butt. <laughs> I'm like, I have the best butt in the world. It's squishy. Gives me something to sit on. It's cute. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll, So I tell her, I'm like, you don't like my butt? Don't look at it. Yeah. I love it. And my body treats me very, very well. And Mm -hmm. I am very proud of my body. Mm -hmm. My body gets me where I want to go. And, (laughs) you know, like it gives me a comfortable place for my soul to live. Not (laughs) always comfortable. But and it's been through a lot. It's still ticking. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I want her to experience. Mm -hmm. And then I also she's also commented because she hears it from other kids on what other people look like. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, you know what? We never talk about what other people look like. Mm -hmm. We don't need to. It's not important. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about whether we think they are pretty or not pretty Mm -hmm. or it doesn't matter who are they as a person 
and that's what's important about it. So I don't want to hear you talking about somebody else's body. Not with me. If mm-hmm. you want, maybe someone else will talk to you about it, but I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So, and just kind of setting that yeah. up as something. Mm-hmm. But you can help her understand that, like, well, tell me about that person, you know? Yeah. What is that person like? Yeah. Ask more questions. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. good. And the other one was um, that he's a bad boy. Oh, right. Yeah. And you were like, there are no, no bad I said, boys. I said, but maybe he does some bad things. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I said, there are very few actually like bad people in the world. There yeah. really aren't very many. What we have a lot of are really good people who make bad choices mm-hmm. and sometimes really bad choices. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, do you ever make bad choices? And she says, yeah. And I said, does that make you bad? And she's like, no. I'm like, me neither. I'm not yeah. a bad person. I'm a very good person. But sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do. And that's probably what's happening with this person. Mm-hmm. And when someone makes bad choices, it's usually because they're scared they're sad or some negative feeling yeah. and that's why they're being a bully or that's why they're being mean people who are hurting usually try and hurt other people yeah, yeah. and so but you that know. can go circle around back to your long game parenting because it's like that's what ends up happening if you don't learn how to feel those negative emotions then when you do feel those negative emotions you end up acting out and as you get older and you're a teenager you act out by like seeking out comforts of like alcohol or Drugs or yeah, promiscuity or yeah, you know, any promiscuity, of that. any kind of like acting out because acting out is really just an avoidance of negative emotion. Yeah, I mean that's really all right. the basics of basis of it is. So the other thing, I'm just going to read these off. These are some long game parenting do's, do, quote, unquote, <laughs> and and we can just comment a little bit on them. So these are things you want to do. Number one, allow life to happen and let your child figure it out unless it can result in some sort of physical injury, like serious <laughs> physical injury. Don't um, let them go off the, like, two-story balcony. Yeah, but if it's a one-story balcony <laughs> and there's a bush at the bottom, think about it. Just think about it. I'm kidding, kind of. No, I'm kidding. I am kidding. But I do let my kids get hurt. That is something that I, does not scare, scare me. me. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That kind of falling. Just things that aren't going to leave any serious scar. And yeah, The other thing, too, is something I think that Bear's saying, is when they fall, almost every child looks at their parent. To, and, oh yeah, for the reaction. For the reaction. Yeah. And that's why so many children cry over every little bump, mm-hmm. because the parent has this horrified look on their face. Mm-hmm. So that's a signal for a child to cry. My experience is, I used to say to the kids, if they would fall, I, I would clap, especially if I knew this was just a stumble and they would just pop right up if I wasn't there. I, mm-hmm. That was a good one. That was mm-hmm. a really good one. And they would just pop up and go. Mm-hmm. What that meant in my life was that if I heard a child cry, I knew they were really hurt. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't cry for attention. They didn't cry because I had a look on my face. Mm -hmm. They only cried when they hurt themselves, really hurt themselves. And so it's something that most parents have to learn, which is not to have that... (gasps) reaction. Yeah, right. And if you have that reaction, it's usually because the way that they fell or something is like worth going, <gasps> you know, and, and for me, I don't do the clapping, but I keep a very neutral face and I just look down and I just go, are you okay? Mm-hmm. They know they're not going to get a ton of, they already know what they're going to get from me mm-hmm. if they cry a lot. Mm-hmm. That is, I'm going to hold them. I'm going to, you know, give them hugs and kisses mm-hmm. and then they're going to get up and go play. Mm-hmm. If I know that they're doing something dangerous where they could likely get hurt, I usually will say, you're doing something that's pretty dangerous. You probably are going to get hurt. And then when they do get hurt, what it does is it allows, A, it's that I I didn't stop them Mm -hmm. from doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I let them make that decision for themselves. But also it builds trust. Mm -hmm. Mom knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. That's why I never say that something's not going to hurt if it will. Mm -hmm. For going in and you're going to get a shot, I'm going to tell you it's going to hurt. Because Mm -hmm. I don't want you to ever feel like I'm going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. You're going to know. Maybe I might not mention anything. Mm -hmm. That might happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't say anything. Mm -hmm. But I don't ever say that something's not going to hurt or that she's going to like something that she might might not like or trick her or like try and trick, trick her. her yeah I just basically. I won't do it her trust in me is very important to me so when she gets hurt I'll be like yeah yeah I know that's yeah I thought that might happen are you okay mm-hmm. and then that's it and she knows that I'm empathetic but also that I called it mm-hmm. and that when I say something that you might get hurt you might want to think about that mm-hmm. because Right. Generally, I'm right. We're not now talking about playing in glass or with (laughs) nails. Why do you keep saying that? Of course, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) I know. You just don't want me to get arrested. Um, You're right. 
You're right, everybody. That is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about things within reason and normal things like yeah. jumping on the bed, you might fall off. Yeah. Like playing on a chair, the chair might tip over and you might get hurt. Right. You know, things of that nature. Yeah. How many times have we been to the park where we've seen parents that are like following their four-year-old around or following their three-year-old around at no end, like won't even let the child like just run? Yep. And play. (laughs) Exactly. Because there's so, and you know, there's some really good rules on the playground, right? You don't get up unless you can get up there. I'm not putting you on top of that structure until you can get up on your own. Yeah. (laughs) And get down. Some good basic rules, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, like, that's the real world. Right. It robs them, you know, I think jumping in to either literally or figuratively solve or eradicate your child's challenges robs them of the experience of accomplishing that on their own. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that they have no choice but to do these things and deal with these challenges when they're adults. So, we got to give them practice. That's our gift to them mm-hmm. is practice with us there to make sure that things don't get out of control. That's what our gift is to them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Some things, well, that's great news. Um, <laughs> it'd be really <laughs> awkward I if you do. didn't. I do. Agree. Well, yeah, because we came up with this kind of yeah, together, yeah. you know? We want to make space, we already talked about this a lot, make space for your child to experience and exhibit negative emotions. Practice makes Mm -hmm. progress, not Mm -hmm. perfect. If life is about the journey, and we always say that it is, at least a lot of memes say that, there's like a kitten hanging by a thing, and it's like, (laughs) life is about the journey. So if we're going to believe that bullshit, then (laughs) you should be able to show your child that making progress is the ultimate measure of success. When your kid falls down or has an an issue, that success is getting up and trying again. Mm -hmm. You know, that actually is success. And getting them to that point where falling down does not stop them from trying again. Mm The other thing, and this I read, an author whose name I cannot pronounce, but I will put in the notes. He says, teach your child to struggle well. Struggling well, which is facing, embracing, and overcoming one's struggle. And struggling poorly, which is escaping, replacing, and ignoring one's struggle, is one of the greatest and most necessary disciplines that we must master if we are to live, prosper, and blossom. And one of the reasons that it resonates so much with me is that my dad used to say that to Mm -hmm. me. He used to say... I'd call him and I'd be really upset and Mm -hmm. I'd just be talking to him and he'd be like, wow, you struggle really well. And I remember being like, that's a really interesting thing to hear. Mm -hmm. Like, I just never expected to hear that, Mm -hmm. you know? He was the first person who ever said that to me. Actually, the only person who ever said that to me until Mm -hmm. I read this quote, Mm -hmm. which I think is why it was so exciting to hear. But yeah, life is a struggle. Yeah. And so teaching them how to struggle well is a big deal. And what does that mean? Yeah. It means embracing it. It Mm -hmm. means walking towards it instead of running away from Mm it. It means processing it. You can turn away from it, but it is very It'll patient. come back around. You can move away. Yeah. You can. <laughs> Everywhere you, you go. You can change your friends. Yep. And wherever you, you go, go, there, there you it is. Are. <laughs> there you are. And whatever that feeling is, it will wait patiently. And sometimes will actually get worse. Yeah. If you avoid it, it Absolutely. will grow and grow and yeah, grow. Yeah, because all of this acting out that you're doing yeah. is compounding. <laughs> I know. That's true. Your, your experience. <laughs> Like, now I really suck. (laughs) But the struggling well, I think that that is something that we're going to talk a lot about in the future with parents to really get that, the terminology out there to understand that there is a way to do that, to Mm -hmm. struggle well and then Mm -hmm. to not struggle well. Mm -hmm. And how do you as a parent handle that? Yeah, struggle with grace. I mean, I think, right, that's... Who's grace? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That bitch. Always with the struggle. Struggling. Well, and it's important for children to see us struggle. And what that means is when we're sad or anxious or afraid, to be able to say, I'm feeling this way Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to figure out what to do to make it better. Right. Because that's what grownups do. And that's what I want you to do when you get scared. Yeah or afraid. Uh It's a model. Uh It's a very important model. Just to get through the last, there's seven do's. There may be more later. But there will never be less. Right. (laughs) Show children how to develop a kind inner voice, which Mm -hmm. means that you need to develop a kind inner voice Mm -hmm. so that you can model it for them. And Mm -hmm. that is so hard. That's really hard. It's really, really really hard. hard. Because I think (laughs) we have such a strong internal voice. And I know mine 
sits on my shoulder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you and I have many and conversations. Mine has a name, but I will not name it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things I, you know, my parents raised me and our parents were very judgmental. They came out of a, a really pushy era. It was so important to have things and mm-hmm. to go forward. Mm-hmm. And my mother would say things, you know, look at how that person's dressed, mm-hmm. whatever. And I soaked that up, which was part and parcel of that weight thing. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that that was a piece of that, I started to, I had to talk back to myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the things I say to myself when I catch myself making a judgment about somebody, the way they look or Mm -hmm. something's too tight or Mm -hmm. wrong color, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody asked you, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody asked you. And it's not important anyway. I wish the listeners could see your eyes. I know. (laughs) Nobody asked you. You're big. Well, it's it's just how you would talk to a child. And that's that's what you have to do. It was my child's voice because that's when I learned it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And what happens is it stays with you. I couldn't agree with you more. And the thing I think is that at least you create a voice that combats that voice because I don't know if you can ever get rid of it no, you at can't. all. But I think the biggest thing, right, is to know that that voice is the one that's driving the bus. Right. I, love, <laughs> I love the analogy of, okay, so who's driving the bus? Because there's so many people within us. Mm-hmm. There's so many different parts of us and different personalities. And when you know that it's good to recognize yeah. <laughs> when that little voice is driving the bus and making you do... Because the bus, the direction of the bus and who's driving the bus is the behavior. Right. Right. right? So you want to know like, okay, that little voice is driving the bus right now. And and now I just want to eat a whole box of like potato chips. Uh, And then just to round third here, we talk about this a lot. It's just giving your kids choices as often as possible, Mm -hmm. allowing them as many opportunities to exercise their own control and power and decision-making as they possibly can. And understand that ultimately you can't control your child's behavior. So you encourage model change by changing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and controlling your own actions. So most of the time, and you've said this many times before, mom, you say you cannot control what your child does. I mean, not in any legal way. Yeah, you can't. I know. I I say that all the time. I'm like, we're not, we can't manhandle a child and force them into submission. No. And that doesn't, yeah. And even if it did, what does it show them? Nothing. No life skills, except for that that's what they need to do to get what they want. Yeah, right. So giving them choices. And that choice can be anything from, do you want to eat this or this? It's time for bed. Would you like to walk or would you like me to carry you? That was my favorite from my mom's. That was, it's time for bed. Would you like Mm -hmm. me to walk or would you like Mm -hmm. me to carry you? Mm -hmm. Pretty much just, and I would say, neither. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that goes to the, that's what I was thinking is like, it really goes to, you have to, as a parent, when you're giving choices, right, you have to remember that the choices, they both of the choices, they're allowed to pick. Yeah. Right. right? And it has to be within like the boundaries, like, You don't get to pick whatever you want. You get to pick these two things. Like, there's these two choices. Yeah. And and when kids learn to do that young, then as they get older, the choices get bigger, more complicated. Um, So that is definitely a gift. And we'll talk more and more about the types of, of choices that you can give your child that are healthy choices within the podcast going forward and talking to different parents. And then the last one that we have is just about sharing your struggles, your challenges with your child so that you can, A, show them that being a grown-up is not easy, that, that it takes a lot of work, and then also that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes, and you have to work through those mistakes and allow them into your world a little bit Mm -hmm. so that they then see what you deal with on a day-to-day basis and that's been really interesting and kind of fun, actually, to do with the rune, especially now that she's six. And she'll ask me questions like, tell me another time you were embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say, oh, okay, well, here's something that just happened that where I was really embarrassed. So, like, once, this is a stupid anecdote, but we came out of Trader Joe's and I had been on the phone mm-hmm. while I was at the cashier and I really don't like to do that. But I was talking to one of the social workers. And so I said to 
her, I said, God, I, I made a mistake in there I'm pretty embarrassed about. And she said, what? Oh, she was so excited. <laughs> what? What was it? <laughs> and I was like, well, I was talking on the phone while we were paying for the groceries. And that's very rude. And I usually don't do that because it's just not a kind thing to do. It's just rude to be on the phone while you're dealing with another mm-hmm. human being. Or somebody's trying to help you. Yeah, trying to help you and do a job. You. Yeah. And I said, but I was talking to the social worker and I didn't really want to hang up. I was scared if I hung up with them, I wouldn't get them back on. But I'm a little embarrassed about how the fact that I just was rude. And she was like, oh, like, (laughs) you know, like she just never would have thought of being, you know, that kind of being a rude thing for starters. Right. That it was rude and that, that I had regrets about it. Right. And that I felt badly. And that you had that you were embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. That I was embarrassed that I didn't behave in a kind way, in a way that was appropriate, what have you. So anyway, just really opening up your life to your children in a way that's appropriate depending on their age mm-hmm. and letting them see who you are and the struggles that you deal with because they're gonna be the struggles that they're gonna deal with eventually too. So, any closing thoughts? I think that All of this fits very neatly and beautifully into the totality of what we're doing. It is a way of reframing parenting that allows us to think more clearly about what it means to be a good parent and what it means to be a successful parent. The success, at least in this framework, is not measured by whether your child goes to Harvard or whether they get into the best nursery school (laughs) uh, or that they got the best SAT or ACT scores. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the kind of human beings that we produce. Are they kind? Are they loving? Can they problem solve? Are they helpful? Are they socially involved? Mm And all of those things really derive from this. And I think the methods that we talk about and that we teach our parents as we've been doing really all fit this very neatly. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Well, you're welcome. And Amber, any closing thoughts? I love how organized it is. Because I know we, like, we've talked about all of this stuff for years and years and years. Yeah, we never put it down. We in, never put it down yeah. in paper and sort of organized it in this way, and I really love it. Good. I'm glad. And obviously, you know that you're a huge inspiration to me, oh, and, you. um, and you're very cute. And yeah, thank you for constant, for still being that other voice for me yeah. and for being there when I am starting to doubt my own parenting stuff. Yeah. And I call you and go, I'm doing this and that. And you're like, uh, yeah, you're yeah. supposed to do that. I'm yeah. like, really? Am I? Are yeah. you, say that again. Say it again. More <laughs> loudly and more clearly. That happens that, fairly that, regularly. That, that just happened a little yeah. while ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the, you have blind spots. So then I thought, um, okay, I'll check with Amber. <laughs> <laughs> She'll tell me. <laughs> She'll tell me the truth. And just like I used to do for you, yeah. you said, obviously, I can have way more confidence in what you say rather than the other way around. Because I didn't know what, I didn't have any kids at the time. But. <laughs> but isn't that like the most important part about having being a parent is having friends and people yes. that you can your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we were talking about before. Thank you, Amber, for coming on. You're welcome. And I love you. Thank love you both you for coming up with this wonderful framework. No problem. Yeah. It came out of a desperate place. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this journey into long game parenting. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I would love to hear your feedback. So please feel encouraged to ask questions, to make comments on either our Facebook page, or of course, you can email me from our website, parentwise.com. Thanks again for listening.